Welcome to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. I am Hashim Al-Barra. Britain and France are blaming each other for the deaths of at least 27 people in the English Channel. 17 men, 7 women, and 3 teenagers died on Wednesday when their dinghy deflated. It's the worst disaster in the water since the UN began collecting data in 2014. So what would it take to stop such a tragedy happening again? Let's bring in our guests from Saint-Malo, France, Jacques Roulon, Senior Research Fellow at the World Policy Institute from Calais, France, Maya Conforti, Secretary General of the Calais charity L'Auberge des Migrants, from London, Sarah Overton, researcher at the UK in a changing Europe think tank. Thank you all for joining us. Jack, why has the tragedy in the English Channel turned into a blame game between France and the UK? It's just a continuation of the blame game between France and the UK. It's been uh, going on for quite a while. It started with uh, uh, the issues about fishing rights for French boats. It started with the protocol in Northern Ireland. And obviously it reached a peak this week with a terrible drama in the Channel where uh, the, the English have decided to accuse the French of being responsible for that tragedy. And it's part of a guerrilla warfare on the part of Boris Johnson against uh, uh, against the French, always the ideal scapegoat where there is problem. It distracts him, it distracts uh, public opinion from the problems he's had at home, mm-hmm. such as the these issues and the many other issues about the bad consequences of Brexit. So it's a useful distraction. And there's nothing better when you have to, problems at home to find an enemy outside. And the ideal, ideal enemy, as always, mm-hmm. is the French which uh, the, uh, the British and the British press like to criticize. It's, uh, we know, we are used to it. And uh, it's not, uh, the French think that's not the right approach to that issue because it's a really serious issue and very dramatic with lives at stake and that one should actually try to focus our brains together to mm-hmm. try to find a solution and not throw attacks at each other like... Uh, and uh, yesterday, what upset the French terribly okay. was the letter written by Boris Johnson, which was actually published on Twitter, and which is contrary to all diplomatic uses. Maya, the way the tragedy was characterized and the statements between the two key nations now at the center of the tragedy, France and the UK, they basically agree on one item, which is they put the blame on migrant smugglers and human trafficking. And there's absolutely no mention of the story of the migrants themselves or the issue of migration itself. How do you see this characterization? Yes, that's definitely the only thing that the British and the French governments have in common is that the, they like to blame it all on the smugglers. Uh, you know, of course, uh, the smugglers are not exactly uh, friendly people, but uh, and, you know, they try to make as much money as possible. But they actually respond to a need 
and why is the, is there such a need to cross to for smugglers? It's because the borders are closed. You know, in Calais, there's miles upon miles about barbed wa- of barbed wires, walls. Uh, there's uh, CO2 machines and cameras and so forth, and now a lot of police. But the 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 smugglers uh, respond to the need that uh, people in Calais have to cross to uh, to the UK and. Uh, uh, they they want to go to the UK for the simple reason that they cannot even ask for asylum in France uh, because most of the time they have uh, fingerprints taken in other countries and therefore they're not allowed to ask for asylum in France. And really, frankly, we have people on the ground and with the, the refugees on the ground and they tell us, I'm dying little by little every day I spend in Calais, so I might as well take a big risk and maybe die, but at least I will die fast and hopefully I will make it to the UK. Sarah, the British government is frustrated over what it describes as a lack of cooperation from the French government. They're basically trying to say that the French intentionally are just allowing people to cross into the UK. I think um, it's a very interesting question. Certainly, this isn't a a new issue that is facing the UK and France. I think there have been reports that the um, individuals, migrants who are coming to the UK are not only coming from France, but they're coming from other countries such as Belgium and the Netherlands. Um, So I think it's very difficult to draw immediate conclusions um, on who is responsible. I think it's true that this is an issue which is, is historical. It's been around for many years. Um, The UK and France have had close cooperation since um, 2003 with the Latuke Agreement and a series of bilateral agreements since then. Um, There has also been, as as you will be aware, um, increased uh, cooperation this year already. Um, In July, both the UK and France agreed to cooperate more. So I think um, what's what's needed at the moment is not so much a blame game, but rather looking at the facts, seeing what the situation is and working on uh, practical solutions Mm -hmm. to um, facilitate a good outcome. Jack, you spoke about the uh, you spoke of the French anger, basically about the letter which Boris Johnson, the British Prime Minister, posted on Twitter, which talks about he outlines key major areas where he says the French have to be active. The joint patrols, the more advanced technology to surveillance of the coastlines and also the cooperation and the bilateral returns agreement, which means that if the British government catches people trying to cross into uh, the British shore, they have to be returned back to France. Is this the reason why the French government is pretty much frustrated? Yes, that is a big sticking point. Is the idea of repatriating the uh, asylum seekers who have arrived in England back to France. You know, until now, the, the British had fought on many ways. What to do with this... Uh, with these asylum seekers which arrived on the shores, I think it's about uh, 20,000 this year, maybe something like that. Uh, what to do with them? They thought about sending them to Albania, to uh, to Rwanda even, uh, to all, and none of these countries wanted, to the Falklands Island, they even they suggested, which is absolutely ridiculous. And uh, actually, they can't send them back to France because first... Uh, Britain is no longer part of the EU, and therefore the Dublin Agreement, which means that uh, asylum seekers should be sent back to the, uh, the country 
they got in first in the EU uh, doesn't stand uh, with uh, Britain. And anyway, we know that most, in that case, you would have sent them back to Poland because most of them apparently, uh, uh, especially in the last few weeks, have come through Poland from Belarus. And uh, so that's not a possibility. And these people don't want to claim asylum in France. Many have the possibilities to do, but those want to go to the UK. For them, the UK is the Eldorado. And it's quite amazing that the UK doesn't try to find a political and mm -hmm. legal solution to that issue because uh, it represents a very small uh, amount of people. The UK is really, uh, it all stems from this Brexit thing, taking back control, and we are now back in the borders. And we know that immigration was a big issue. But the, U uh, the refugees in the UK, sorry, but... 31,000 last year. In France, we were at 83,000. Uh, Greece has 10 times more uh, proportional population than, uh, than, even, than, the, than the UK. So, so these people want to go to Britain. Many of these people have links with Britain. Uh, and therefore, what should be the thing work on mm -hmm. is a procedure to send to facilitate these people. They could ask maybe to process the asylum demand in France or the UK. But each time there was a protocol such as I think it was a dubs, which was meant to facilitate the entry of minors with parents in the UK. It's only applied to 500 of okay. those poor. But this is but this is exactly... It really is. It's not a police solution. The French have done the efforts. They've policed. They're sick. There's a uh, 40 miles of a uh, coastline to uh, to police. They have uh, more than 600 police officers patrolling. They've increased the equipment. I mean, it's not that won't stop okay. them. They want. Let's go there. Let's go to Maya. Maya, the, the French themselves are now coming under mounting international pressure because for what many describe as ambiguous stance when it comes to the migrants. On one hand, they dismantled the refugee camp in 2016 in Cali. Now they're saying that they're going to provide shelter. What do you think should France do in the near future to try to prevent any future tragedy? Well, you know, there's the agreement of the 2K that need to be revised. There's uh, the Europe that needs to change uh, uh, this Dublin regulation. I must point out to Jack that uh, when uh, at the time of the big jungle in 2016, the French government uh, offered the refugees who were in Calais to be able to ask for asylum in France and to have the Dublin regulation uh, uh, annulled for them, you know, that was uh, part of Proposition 13, Article 13 in the Dublin Regulation that uh, it can be given like this. And several thousand people who were in Calais at that time said, well, if I'm not going to be Dublin, then I'm willing to ask for asylum in France. So many people are in Calais. Some want to really go to UK, like you say, because of it, they have family and so forth. But for many, it's the last chance. It's not the Eldorado. It's their last chance because they cannot ask for asylum in France or in Germany and, and, and so on. So if we change the Dublin regulation, and of course, it has to be changed everywhere at the European level, otherwise it won't be fair that will change uh, definitely things. Mm -hmm. I think that's very, very important. Mm -hmm. And there's also 
you know, what the French government does is, uh, you know, this obsession with no point of fixation in Calais. We don't want another jungle. And so the way the refugees are treated in Calais is absolutely horrendous. I mean, it's uh, uh, evictions every other day. Uh, they even uh, attack, in a sense, the, the associations like ours in the fact that every month they add one or mm -hmm. two places where we're forbidden to distribute. And they make life so miserable that people just, want to go. Okay. So that's, you know, treating them like that does not work either. Sarah, the French government is saying that Prime Minister Boris Johnson has to take responsibilities when it comes to this particular issue. What do you think should the UK, UK do in the near future? Because, you know, the debate now is centered on the need for the UK to bring about more of a generous approach when it comes to the asylum seekers to the UK. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's been an issue which has been in the uh, UK news for some time now in terms of so earlier this year, we saw the introduction of the Nationality and Borders Bill, um, which has proven to be a very uh, controversial piece of legislation with various people raising concerns about how um, its two pronged approach um, opens up much more possibilities for asylum seekers to be deemed inadmissible. Um, so there's certainly a very lively discussion ongoing in the UK about how that bill should look um, around specific clauses of it. Um, so it's very much a, an issue which is being worked on across all, all parties um, in the UK. There's also been interesting uh, research that came out recently from the Refugee Council saying that about 98% of uh, migrants who cross the English Channel do apply for asylum. So I think um, in this discussion, we also have to be aware of the fact that uh, this is not just a question of migrant crossings, it's also a question of the wider asylum system in the UK, as you also mentioned. Um, and one of the one of the things there which really, I think, uh, should be looked into is the uh, processing times for applications. So in, in the UK, there's currently a large backlog of applications. So I think there is there is a need for um, uh, yeah further review mm -hmm. of the, the UK's own internal asylum um, pro process processing. And I think the, the government would argue that they are already doing that with the release of their strategy earlier this year in March, and then this bill, which is passing mm -hmm. through Parliament. But it's proving to be a very uh, uh, polarizing topic in, in the UK, as, as it has been um, historically. So I think it, it's really a case now of um, parties across the political spectrum coming together, realizing that this is really uh, an issue of, of concern, not just of managing migrant crossings, but also an issue of humanitarian concern. Mm -hmm. um, and really should, yeah, there should be a situation where uh, joint uh, solutions are being are being brought up and built up. Jack, as long as the crisis continues between France and the UK, you know that in the past the uh, Dublin Three regulation was the legal framework within which the EU and the UK were going to discuss issues of migration uh, uh, asylum. That is no longer the case with Brexit. What could bring the EU, France in particular, and the UK to agree? on how to move forward when it comes to migrants? What could bring uh, the British government to deal in a sensible matter with your European Union on that issue? Uh, 
it will be maybe a change of political mood in Britain. I know that apparently the people are very concerned about migrants. It's made headlines in the paper for all the last few weeks. Uh, apparently all Tory MPs are asked non-stop by their constituents, what are you doing? So they think that playing tough is right, but that's not. We, everyone knows it's not a solution. The British knows it's not a solution. So uh, one should discuss in earnest mm -hmm. ways of processing this application. I think the French will be ready, uh, as part of the, the 2K agreement, to even have uh, uh, all, uh, police, uh, police officers or home office uh, uh, officers to uh, process this application in Britain. And in Britain, you know, because a lot of these uh, uh, people are not economic migrants. They're really asylum seekers, genuine asylum seekers, coming from uh, Iraq, Syria, Sudan, Eritrea, and other people actually added to fled, uh, especially in Iraq and Syria, a bit as a result of the Iraqi war, where, which mm -hmm. the, uh, Britain was such a keen uh, participant. So they should admit that they the share of responsibility, and it's a really big human issue. It covers okay. what, uh, an OECD. It, it, it concerns so few people compared to the rest of the population. And at, at the time when Britain is short of skills, the people who are there, these uh, refugees, uh, these migrants, are qualified, skilled people with legs and speak English. With, they would be good for the economy. The whole point is that it is a political stance based around Brexit right. and the fact that the British wants to show they've taken back control, as was the, their famous slogan. Maya, don't you think that Europe itself has changed? In the past, we would portray those migrants as people who are braving the sea, the mountains, dangerous places, looking for a better life or fleeing political torture and persecution. That's not the case. That's not the way it is. they are portrayed these days in Europe. They're widely seen as people who are likely a source of threat, danger, instability and fanaticism to the European continent. That dehumanization itself of the issue of migrants is... One of the reasons why we're seeing people dying. I, I think that, uh, you know, part of the, the big uh, responsible people for that is the governments, uh, you know, po the, the politicians. Uh, uh, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a good uh, sellable uh, uh, argument to say we should welcome the refugees. It sells better in terms of uh, political votes uh, to say, you know, we must get rid of uh, these uh, ugly migrants. And mm. uh, and what's so crazy is that in fact, uh, Europe is a is a continent that's aging. You know, most countries are aging. There's not enough babies being born, and the economy that uh, the 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 ri the rising economy that uh, would bring those refugees if they worked. Uh, if they were allowed to to stay and work, would actually help uh, nearly all of Euro uh, all of the European countries. I mean, the economists talk about that, the associations talk about that, and the governments turn a blind eye because all they want is, uh, uh, you know, they they are afraid that they're not going to be reelected if they if they actually talk about that. But that is actually a fact. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. Jack Rouleau, Maya Conforti, Sarah Overton, I really appreciate your insight. Thank you very much. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Mohamed Al Aishi, Omar Istanbuli, Lauren Peter, and Paul Taylor. 
Studio sound was by Aston Goodison. The program was edited by Andre Westizen, Lynn Gwynn, and Jody Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Monday. Thank you.